We have a game in progress, bottom of the eighth. It's a bit of a late night here to record, but hopefully we're going to come away with a great night in terms of the standings. We'll get into it on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today, every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. As for myself, I've had nearly 800 of these episodes. I was doing the math a while ago. This is my fifth overall podcast, fourth baseball podcast. I think. My podcast with Andrew Zajac, I was uh, going back to this one, it was like Call to the Bullpen or something like that. Uh, before that, Smoke Signals was probably my primary one, back to Tony Lestoria back in the day, where I wrote at Indians Baseball and Prospect Insider. And uh, you know, my big national gig was writing for Scout in 24-7. As for this game, it is a 1-2 count, bottom of the eighth, Will Myers is up. It's 11.34, my time, 12.34, your time. Uh, i got to be up in about seven hours already, so let's let's just cut to the action. The Twins have now lost four in a row. They've already lost tonight. The White Sox have lost two in a row. They lost tonight as well. Uh, so sitting right now, in terms of the baseball, my co-host is upset because it's late and I'm talking and not sleeping, as he, as he is. Uh... Cleveland is up two and a half right now on the Twins because they say hi. Get get on mic, Nacho. Say tell everyone what you want to tell them. Okay, two and a half with the Twins. Um, uh, yeah, and three and a half back for the White Sox. Uh, Twins have Houston right now. Rough matchup. White Sox have Baltimore, which is frankly a rough matchup. When you look at it, uh, Baltimore is two back in the wild card. The wild card is right now Tampa and Toronto. And, I mean, it's kind of crazy looking at the American League East. It's Boston under 500. Remember when Boston took, like, three games from Cleveland back when they looked like a playoff team? Feels like ages ago. And I'm sure if you're a Red Sox fan, it really feels like ages ago. So let's just quickly talk about – I'm going to readjust this. I feel like I'm getting uh, not as great sound of late, so I want to get back to the whole fun of, like, trying to position everything in a way that makes sense but also where the mic's not going to be falling down all the time. Um, I want to go back to, let's see, it's the eighth, the seventh inning when Cleveland got the third run. I thought that inning was a perfect encapsulation of so many, you know, Cleveland moments this year and just things with this team. So Miles Straw should have had a hit. Like, he hit a slow roller. He's got speed. Uh, Kim, the shortstop, makes a ridiculous play. Turning, spinning, throwing. I mean, Jimenez also had a, Jimenez saved a run in this game and hit a home run. We'll get into that. So Straw is out. Quan works a count. Some questionable calls in there. Maybe he should have struck out. Gets the walk. Then Rosario check swings almost and gets a single. Uh, it's one of those things where like Rosario's most of the time is going to result in an out. Straw's most of the time is going to result in a hit. Didn't work for either of them. And then Jose Ramirez comes through being captain clutch and uh, unfortunately just too aggressive on the base pads. 
You hate to see yourself run out of an inning when you have two base runners on. Uh, keep the pressure. It's it's only a three to one game. Until that inning, I believe they'd only had two hits in this game overall. It's not exactly like the offense has been churning and just dominating in this game. No, 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 not the case. At, oh, accidentally must have turned on the MLB TV on this thing. I'm surprised it's letting me do streams on two screens. Not what I wanted to do. Um, let me close that one out. But yeah, it's uh, they're looking. You know, fingers crossed. It's two outs, runner on first, two strikes on uh, Kim, who has been a middling bat, so you're hoping he'll get out of this. It certainly seems like it's going to be 99 in the seventh, Stefan in the eighth, and see what I... Total jinx there, right? Totally jinx that. And then Class A in the ninth, and you just got to get to the ninth here. You just got to get to the ninth, because Class A has been... Unhittable. Now, also watching this game, isn't it? Is anyone else feel like every team's got about four guys who throw a hundred? Like, is is one hundred starting to become passe? Uh, let me know what you think on that. It is one, hitting a hundred miles an hour, you know, not that big of a deal anymore. Uh, so many guys are doing it. Uh, here comes Carl Willis to the mound. Uh, I wonder if there's any temptation to go to Class A for four instead of three. You know, you got. You got the the leading run coming to the plate in this situation. I, I realize I really haven't talked about the show. The other reason um, advancing that base runner, Grisham has a good arm. Like you have to have the base, this, the reports enough. Don't run in that situation. Uh, how much nicer would one more run look right now? Then again, with the way the offense has performed, uh, they had the two solo shots, and then the eighth, Rosario and Ramirez, where there was hits number three and four. So it's not like they were, again, offensively lighting the world on fire. Let's let's stick to the basics. What we do, we'll, we'll take our first commercial break. We'll come back, break down the box score, as we always do, and then talk about the game. And in segment three, I think it's time to look at the Juan Soto trade because from what I had heard, that Soto deal was very similar to uh, a nearly consummated Jose Ramirez transaction before the extension occurred. So we're going to talk about that in segment three. Segment two is diving into the box score of hopefully a win here. And uh, yeah, but first, an important commercial break. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks, and a few drinks becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst thing that happened? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe, plan ahead, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So as I'm watching the game, you got the 0-2 count, and they're lucky that that, that pitch there did not sail. Uh, you, know, you know I am a big believer in Trevor Seven. I think he has earned this role. Uh, but yeah, that, that pitch there nearly sailed on him. That could have been a big concern. You got Grisham up. I mean, you got you to take care of business right here. This is a situation where you have to, have to, have to take care of business 
And he gets him strikeout swinging. You know, he has earned this role. His ERA, an ERA, flawed stat, right? 244. He straight misses bats. He walk, doesn't walk a lot of guys. And look at that pen. Nick Sandlin, who comes in in this game, one and one third of an inning, two strikeouts. Sandlin has been. I don't know what happened to Sandlin in 99 when they were in AAA together, but they got recalled about on the same time, and they've both been nails. Karen Jack goes the one inning, has the one hit, the one walk, but manages two strikeouts. He got a little hairy for him as well. And then Trevor Steffen had the the hit and the walk. It just took away the third out in the game day stream. It didn't take it away here, I don't believe. Uh, curious about that, but he, he struck out three batters in his inning. So the bullpen doing their job. As for Aaron Zavale, four and two-thirds, four hits, one earned run, four strikeouts, two walks. Uh, you will take that. I mean, you okay, you wouldn't necessarily take it every time because you'd like him to go deeper in that fifth inning, unfortunately. Yeah, just pulling it up here. There was, you know, an on-field delay. You get the double, then the ground out, then the single. I forgot that that is also the inning where uh, Brandon Drury threw his stink fit, right? Or, or was it before that, and then they had to replace him? Either way, that's when Jorge Alfaro comes in. Uh, you know, at that point in time, you have, you know, two outs. I, I wasn't watching that inning. You know, I had a bunch of things going on. But it, it's a bit of an interesting situation. Uh, as for the lineup today, you know, we talked about the addition of Richie Palacios. He was the starting DH over someone like Will Benson. Uh, st- st- uh, rough night, over three, three strikeouts. Um, the team only has five strikeouts, three by Palacios, two by Hedges. I'm sorry, there's six, So and Rosario has one, but still. Very much two guys hitting seven and eight with all of the strikeouts right there. To continue on, who who's reached base twice in this one? Well, considering the fact that they managed two walks and four hits, you might not be surprised that it's just a med. Who you might be surprised has one of the two walks, just because we know that's one of the changes with him this year. He is walking significantly more than he has throughout his career. Significantly may not be the right word, but he is walking more than he had. So he has reached base twice. The other walk went to to uh, Stephen Kwan. Your hits to Jose. Jimenez and Oscar Gonzalez. Gonzalez and Jimenez had solo shots to give them that two to one lead, two nothing lead at one point in time. Uh, if, if we're doing again, yeah, it, it's the game isn't over. Just doing the box score, you know, calculus of it all. Four hits by Cleveland with the one walk, but they did also have um, three errors by San Diego. So. You look at that, three errors, four hits, the walk. That's nine opportunities. That averages out to, well, we've said about three runs. Hey, they have three right now. The other side, San Diego has six hits and four walks. That's 10 opportunities right there. And a hit batter. That's 11 opportunities. That should be close to four runs. That should be three with a you know a decent chance at four. They just haven't taken care of it. They've got one run. Cleveland switching staff, like I said, you know, uh, both... 99 and Stefan got in trouble had multiple base runners on and were able to pitch their way out of it. The other side of things is while Cleveland has six strikeouts, the Padres have 11, 11 strikeouts, which is the sure way to end 
any any good feeling you have going on. That just you know that's how you get out of innings is not putting the ball in play without uh, surrendering or anything. I mean Gresham, golden sombrero night for him. Moving on down, Clevenger. He was solid tonight. Six innings, two hits, both solo shots, one walk, four strikeouts. You'd like to see a little more strikeouts from him if you are a fan of the Padres. So I think you're going to take that performance every single time. Uh, I think I had talked about the fact that you know Jimenez, on top of having the solo shot, also had one of the defensive gems in this game. I think you have to make him one of the stars in this one. I think you give Ahmed, the only guy reach base twice, one of the stars. And listen, you want Savali to go longer, but at the end of the day, he still went four and a third innings of one-run baseball against a very, very tough lineup. I am going to, you know, give him the third star. He's not, he doesn't qualify for the win. Again, you'd like to see him play a little longer into this one, but now hopefully, you know, the the next game up in this series, we'll see. If they can get now, they've also had so much rest that it shouldn't be an issue, right? And they had two days off. You don't see that too much anymore for anyone. Uh, should we? We didn't really do a preview, which I it's totally on me. I, I just had so much to talk about yesterday. I skipped the preview. So with what we have left in segment two here, we do have a little bit of time. That'd be fun to kind of do that preview that we typically do. Run down and just do the position by positions. So, currently, as it is, hey, they just had another base runner who's putting things together. Uh, Jimenez uh, in this one, but uh, he had a walk. So, reach base twice. We got someone else uh, for this one. But going through, starting at catcher, Austin Ola's been a negative defender, a mediocre bat, better than Hedges over the course of the year, but Hedges has played better of late. So, I think Cleveland gets advantage at catcher because they have a defensive advantage and it's mediocre production. Uh, both ways. First base, you have Josh Bell and Josh Naylor. Um, Josh Bell this year, in terms of his one, runs created plus. No, CS is just. No, I don't want. That's the one downside. Like they have his out, outdated data. They have. His, he hasn't been great with San Diego, but over the course of the year, he's got a 130. Uh, Naylor, I believe, is in the high 120s. I'm gonna give it to Bell. Uh, he's had more power. He doesn't strike out a ton he you know has a decent walk rate um, pretty awful defender but so is Naylor it, it's a very close contest to that position but I think all things considered you'd probably rather have Bell than Naylor uh, moving on to second base Jimenez versus Cronenworth and Cronenworth has been uh, you know a very solid producer for San Diego he's got a 110 runs created plus we've talked about the highest War and I believe the highest runs created plus of any second baseman in baseball is Andres Jimenez. Moving on to shortstop, uh, so Kim, it, the shortstop with San Diego, has been a below average. Well, he's been about a league average defender and actually gives him a negative defensive value here on Fangraphs. Uh, Rosario's been a better bat and has a slightly better um, defensive score. So you say Vange Cleveland, and then you go to third base where it's Manny Machado and Jose Ramirez, and Machado has played better this year. Um, that's yeah, I love Jose, but we talked about it. Since that thumb injury is not quite the same guy he was before it, so you have a two-point advantage heading into the outfield. Center field for San Diego has mostly been Trent Gresham, 
He has had his struggles, but no one has had struggles like Miles Straw. So a one-point advantage. Uh, heading in the corners, left field, Jackson Profar has been good this year. Uh, Stephen Kwan has been better. That's another guy. Like when we talk about those prospects who didn't. Uh, Jackson Profar was the number one prospect in baseball at one point in time, and this is what his third. No, really, only his second full season where he's managed to have a runs created plus over one hundred. Uh, so it's always a danger, but. Nice, another nice up the middle uh, play in this one, but yeah, that's. It. I know Soto has not played as much in left field. I think it's maybe an injury. Or no, he's playing right for them, but he he was hurt um, for this game. He's or was hurt a week ago last Tuesday. He's not playing in today's game, I should say. And that's going to be a hit for Owen Miller, uh, <laughs> and. Is it still the lefty on the mound? Or no, it's going to be a foul ball. Sorry. Uh, it'd be like, if it's a lefty on the mound, that's a surprise uh, that he got the hit because he's been really ineffective against lefties. Rightfield Soto versus uh, Oscar Gonzalez. That's that's going to go advantage San Diego. So Cleveland has, and then we got to do DHs. Uh, they went out and traded for Drury. They also have um, Vote. And for Cleveland, you know, DH has been... Tonight it's Palacios, it's been Benson, it's really not been Owen Miller. It ends up being, you know, maybe interestingly enough, a split for these offenses. Even with everything San Diego has added, it's pretty much a, you go through the nine positions in DH, it's a split. Bullpen is going to be advantage Cleveland, just because we saw that, that 7-8-9 is there. And don't get me wrong, you know, Luis Garcia, Nick Martinez, who they signed to be a starter, has actually been pretty effective in the move to the pen. Morjan, they have a lot of solid pieces. They don't have the high end that Cleveland has. Starters, um, I would have given them an advantage in today's game, and I would give them the advantage in tomorrow's game. So, uh, two evenly matched up teams is how we would view this. We're gonna take a break, come back, and talk about the Soto deal as it reflects onto the Jose Ramirez deal, and hopefully also wrap this game up and our next. Fantastic sponsor are our good friends over at Bet Online, and I say good friends because they are second longest sponsor of Locked On Guardians. If you know, I know not everyone is uh, is into the the sports betting, but if it's your thing, and let's be honest, it is exploding. It is the next big thing in sport. Uh, Bet Online is it's where I go to for additional data. It is even you know I'm not always someone who knows everything about sports gambling, but it is great just for data. I love it when I get sent the information in my mailbox just with all the odds in one place so I can go and see how it's being handicapped and thought about. Because let's be honest, when money is on the line, when it is your, you know, I can make a prediction on here. It comes true. Hey, I look smart. Helps my numbers. But it's not a direct one-to-one uh, in terms of the outcome of my life. You know that people are fully invested. For tomorrow's game, uh, Quantrell versus Snell. Well, hey, nice rhyme there. Uh Guardians are getting one and a half. The over under is seven and a half. I'm tempted to think the over is the way to go. Uh, even odds negative one ten at both of those. So if that is your thing, go to Bet Online uh, today. Again, I use I go there often just as a data research point when I'm working on things. Uh, head to Bet Online. Use your mobile device to learn more about the actions and the happenings. Bet Online, where the game starts. So my tablet died right after the. Uh, the called strikeout on Austin Nola. So let's 
let's talk about how if Jose Ramirez didn't sign his extension, he would have been a, a Padre. That the deal was already in place, from my understanding. And it's kind of easy to see what likely would have occurred because Jose coming there would have been to play third base with Tatis staying at shortstop and Machado moving to second base. It's the most likely position for him to go to. I think he could handle it. You know, he he came up as a shortstop. It was just that Baltimore had J.J. Hardy. Uh, and there was talk before at points of Machado being willing to switch positions to, do, you know, accommodate another star if they got it done. He was always willing to move around. And, yeah, at the age of 30, you maybe don't want to be moving someone to the middle of the diamond. But at the same time, I, I don't think he's the type of player who would have accepted just the DH role. I, I think he needs and you know, wants to be out in the field. I was trying to see... Uh, his fielding. I just want his position. I don't want advanced fielding. I just want fielding. Um, just his positional base one. Why is this so hard to locate? Uh, but, yeah, you know, he has played multiple spots. I'm going to pause this because I have it pulled up for every other player but Machado for some dumb reason. So he's only played third and shortstop in the big leagues. Uh, if you take him off third, and shortstop he hasn't played since 2019. So there is the chance that maybe he accepts DH, and then you keep Cronenworth at second. I do think the Guardians were likely to ask for Cronenworth. I do think that that was part of the thought process that, you know, listen, Machado can maybe play shortstop, and then the Guardians could add a player who can play third base for them in Cronenworth who can step into that role and be the guy there and be a drop-off um, but still be an above-average productive type of player. And th- again, that is under the assumption that someone's moving to Sagan, probably Machado. Now, what I had pretty good authority on was that Mackenzie Gore would have been a piece. Uh, you know, I know, oh, just go back. I completely forgot. I talked about Luke Boyd in segment two. He went in the Machado in, in this deal. He went to the, the Nationals, so he's over there. Those who didn't understand why all these Hosmer, Voigt, moving parts were occurring was uh, San Diego was up against the luxury tax. They didn't want to go over and deal with the penalties, deal with some of the additional costs, and just deal with the draft pick loss and things like that. So they were trying to maneuver to hold on to uh, some of the things you lose when you go over that threshold. But Gore, you know, he, two years ago, he was the best pitching prospect in baseball. Consensus. Consensus top five prospect. San Diego is awful at development. He looked good this year at points. Uh, just hasn't had enough run. I think Cleveland thought they could turn him into something special. I do not think James Woods was part of the return. Who you know, Listen, James Woods was on pure ceiling a top 10 player in his draft class, but he fell because he's massive and his senior year, he, I mean... I didn't, there were very, listen, if you're just buying ceiling, you loved him, but there were swing concerns. He had, he looked bad against bad competition. Uh, kudos to San Diego for helping develop him. I mean, they turned him into something uh, really interesting. I, I think there was some discussion of Robert Hassel, but I, I actually don't think, because again, I think they were going for Cronenworth as a central piece. I don't think it was Hassel. I think they were trying to get Gore, Cronenworth, and Abrams, and I think that would have been the return now Abrams was I had we get some right we get some wrong I had him rated higher than Bobby Witt in that class uh, Abrams went sixth so far he has struggled in the big leagues uh, it's it's interesting to look at him because 
like statistical data, I haven't really checked in a ton since his draft year, but I would have always been leery for the same reasons I'm leery about a lot of guys. It's the low, being a low, low walk guy, right? Like his first two years, even up to double A, it was at 8%. He gets up to triple A, drops to 5.3. Now, I really like to see it around 8 is a low. Uh, 5 is one of those things where we see it get even smaller in the big leagues and it can lead to performance. He is just 21 years of age, though. So let's, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. But from what I understand, Abrams and and Gore were the central young prospects. Uh, Cronenworth struck out swinging to end this. So yeah, Guardians win. Uh, it's official. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're talking about guys that uh, they liked. But yeah, I think they were hoping to get Cronenworth as a replacement. Get Gore, you could fast track into your rotation with a few, not easy fixes, but I think they knew what to work with him. And then Abrams is a, another slick up the middle athlete to go with a never ending stream of them and then the thought process also being if they had a chance to you know to go out and add someone special like they were honestly in on Matt Olson. There's a decent chance that if Matt if Freddie Freeman doesn't sign with the Dodgers, if there isn't the whole debacle that occurs, Olson might have ended up in Cleveland. Now it would have been a very costly package, but it, it could have could have very easily happened. That was a legitimate chase. So, you know, the, the idea with Jose was, okay, we can't re-sign him. We're going to sell high at this point in time at, because the package was unbelievable. It's just what it came down to. They couldn't, it was, it was a deal they could not say no to. Now, again, I'm not saying 100%. I, I don't know for sure about Cronenworth. I just had someone I trust tell me that Gore and Abrams were definitely discussed and, the, and that some of the discussion or sticking point was Abrams versus uh, Hassel and then also some other pieces like it would probably had some smaller ones probably would have been like a four or five for one but those are kind of the big names I heard in terms of the discussion uh, with the win it's weird is this not updated oh no with the win Cleveland is now up three games on the white on the twins and four games on the White Sox. Uh, I'm not going to say anything even remotely jinxy at this point in time, but, I mean, how about that? It is August 24th now, as of when I'm recording, which, you know, uh, six days left in the month of August. The Guardians are up three games in the American League Central. Uh, It's going to be fun in September, not just because it's a playoff hunt, but I'm very curious to see. I feel like a lot of us... De- okay, per, per, yeah, per prediction for who gets out of this roster, Lavastida and Morris. That is my prediction when the roster goes up to 28. Lavastida and Morris. Uh, we'll see if I'm right or wrong, but uh, that's I have a, one of them is definitely going to be a catcher, and I hate to break it to everyone, but it it's going to go to Lavastida before it goes to Naylor. Um just because, I mean, they still value him. And he's already on the 40-man. And he came up and did what they, you know, served a need when they were understaffed at the start of the year. Then he got sent down to the minors and got hurt and hasn't been quite the same guy. But there's that injury issue that, it, that that's there. If they did not add a pitcher right away, I think it would be, you know, Gabriel Arias, who I don't think we've talked about so very quickly here at the end. They have him playing all over. And I think it's... 
people tend to read too much into things. Uh, you know, oh, he's playing first base. He's going to come up and play first. I, I don't think he's going to come up and play first. Uh, I think he is just one of the best athletes in the system. He is arguably the greatest defensive shortstop in the system. And they feel like he could play anywhere. So they're just letting him get some experience. So, you know, he could play first in a pinch. He could play some outfield spots. He can do a lot of things. He's that good of an athlete with that strong of an arm. I mean, if you gave him enough time, maybe he could learn catcher even. Uh, He's got the arm for it. I I can't, you know, a little bit late to start uh, learning how to frame and all that stuff. But he's, he's just a supreme athlete. And I think they're doing it just because they're so loaded with players. You want everyone to play every day. Flexibility is always helpful to your team. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked On Guardians podcast for a day. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. We're up to 560 YouTube subscribers. So keep helping. Let's We're halfway there, right? We're halfway to that goal of 1,000. Uh, it's that I Don't ask for much, but I'm going to keep asking for this one. So uh, please... Sign up, and if you subscribe, I subscribe back. So if you're someone who's trying to build your own channel, let's help each other out here. Uh, again, Jeff Ellis. Follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as I, end, as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.